Hackensack Meridian Children's Health is comprised of two nationally ranked children's hospitals by U.S. News and World Report and are number one in New Jersey. K. Hafnadian Children's Hospital in Neptune and Joseph M. Sanzari Children's Hospital in Hackensack, as well as pediatric inpatient and outpatient services at JFK University Medical Center in Edison. With access to expert pediatricians and over 200 pediatric specialists across the state, Hackensack Meridian Children's Health prides itself on offering specialized pediatric medical care and surgical expertise. To learn more about Hackensack Meridian Children's Health, visit hackensackmeridianhealth.org kids. My name is Kate Santangelo. Welcome to the Monmouth Moms podcast, part of the Monmouth Moms Network. Listen in as we bring awareness to the best local resources for growing families in Monmouth County, New Jersey, chat with local moms and mompreneurs, highlight our favorite resources, local spots, restaurants, and more. Make sure to subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome back, everyone, to the Mammoth Moms podcast. We're here today on a summerish day. I don't know where summer is going. I don't. Know. I'm very disappointed so far with summer. I'm a big summer person, and it just I'm not getting those summer vibes right now. But um, I'm excited for tonight because we're actually going to the um, Bellworks Fireworks Fourth uh, of July um event this evening i've never had done the fireworks here so i'm super excited for that um and hopefully this weekend with the fourth of july weekend festivities we'll get some we'll get some warmer weather like i I want i want a little pool of beach weather happening um our podcast today is uh our continued partnership with hackensack meridian children's health um our family health care series is um all about focusing on uh you know family resources and helping parents to really, you know, understand fully different resources available for them in the community through um, Hackensack Meridian Children's Health for for children. In the same vein, we also found it to be important to discuss um, information for moms, right? So mom health and focusing on um, moms-to-be and postpartum moms. And um, we're welcoming today Dr. Rebecca Barnett. She is an OBGYN from Hackensack Meridian in Freehold. Yes. Uh, thank you so much for joining us today. Yeah. Um, so we are, um, I'm so curious. I really have a lot of questions for you. Um, I'm a mom. I've been pregnant twice. I um, had a very challenging pregnancy the first time. And my second pregnancy was kind of much more mild. Um, but I think anyone listening today, if you are a new mom or a new mom again, right? Maybe it's been a little while since you've had um, a baby and things change, right? New um, new reports come out and it's always kind of ever-changing and you're learning more about, you know, what to tell um, expectant moms. Um, so I'd, um, I'd like to start with your, your practices in Freehold and what... Um, what are what's your favorite thing about being an OB right now in in today's age? Um, 
I mean, I don't know that being an OB has changed. I, I think the best part about being an OBGYN is getting to be a part of um, a woman's lifetime, like taking care of her throughout all of her stages of life from, yeah. you know, being a young teenager and maybe having menstrual issues to maybe helping her through her first pregnancy. Right. And then, you know, maybe down the line, she has kids, you're taking care of her kids. It's, it's really awesome. So the whole cycle of motherhood. Basically, yeah, just like that. helping somebody through their entire lifetime and being a woman myself, I think it's super um, rewarding to kind of, you know, like learn from my own experiences, help kind of teach back to, I think when I was pregnant twice, I found that I could even give more personalized advice and yes. like reassurance about like, oh, well, you know, I felt that too. And I felt the same way. Yeah. And it just added so much more to that experience. Yeah, you had it was already insight. rewarding before, but like even so much more going through all of that stuff myself. Right, right. Because you, you know, you, you learned, right, like what you knew in school and then obviously being going through your residency and stuff. But, uh, you know, having firsthand experience is valuable for sure. Totally, totally. And I think the patients value it too, like that you're not just like regurgitating textbook information that you're also talking about like, oh yeah, like I went through that or I've helped other people through this and like, you're going to be okay. Yeah. Yeah. So for so many women, it depends on who you, you speak to, right? There are women that I love being pregnant and they're glowing and it's like, you're like, well, I did not have that same experience. And then other women who are like, oh my gosh, I hope I'm never pregnant again because it was awful. Um, I could probably say, I don't know if I had both experiences, but um, I had my son when I was 20. I was in college and right away I got, well, yeah, no, like within, I guess the first like three to four weeks, I had very severe um, what they call as hyper, I don't even know how you pronounce it, hyperemesis gravidarum. Is that right? Yes, I got yes. it. Okay. <laughs> All I knew, I was super sick. And um, I was telling you a little bit earlier, my physician at the time kind of dismissed my initial symptoms and I was losing weight. And it was like, it was a very, very serious situation that very quickly got remedied. And um, I was put on like a like a medicine pump that was um, pumping like anti-nausea drugs into my right, system right. and um, like an IV at home. And it was like, it was pretty crazy. So I was losing weight and couldn't keep anything down. Luckily, it did dissipate when I was like around 14 weeks. Right. That's usually when it when it goes away. Yeah. Um, but Rarely some, some women continue to have some symptoms. But yeah, most but there people are get some better. that like keep... It, it like continues through the pregnancy, right. right? Yeah. I mean, that severe of symptoms is, is pretty rare. The majority of people might have some like little bit mild craziness, right. maybe like a little upset in the morning, but like most people aren't to the extreme that you had. Yeah. Definitely yours is the more rare. It was so the more rare experience. Intense. And I remember just like being shocked, <laughs> like this is awful. But um, when I had my daughter when I was 30, I didn't, I was a little mildly nauseous, but like not very much so and right. just really tired but like kind of more textbook I guess like yeah, that's, symptoms. that's pretty standard um and but really fearful when I when I found out I was pregnant because I was you know I'd established career at the time and I was on the road and you know I was nervous I was going to have to like go out on disability because there was no way if I was feeling the same way that I'd be able to perform right. at my job so um like two totally different things but why why is that like that some women experience like such different pregnancies is that common that like you can just have all these different symptoms and like different pregnancies or? I mean, yeah, it's 
totally possible. I mean, we have patients who've had multiple pregnancies and they'll even tell you firsthand, like every pregnancy is so different. So right. we usually reassure people that each pregnancy is different, kind of wait to see how you feel, right. you know, let us know if you're having any concerns, like with something like that, like like severe nausea, vomiting, you know, kind of getting to it early is really important. Like, and you never know without having known, maybe you did different things the second time to prepare your body for the pregnancy that you didn't the first time. And maybe that's why it was a lot better. You yeah. know, maybe you were better hydrated or maybe you were taking your prenatal vitamins ahead of time. Mm. Um, that's been shown to decrease nausea and vomiting in the first trimester to be on a prenatal vitamin a few months ahead. Oh, interesting. So it perhaps you were like a little bit more prepared, you know, in your second yeah, that could, that makes sense. I mean, yeah. And you said definitely... you had a boy and then a girl, a girl right? right? So maybe the fetal sex had some impact oh, on that's it. Interesting. I mean, but you never really know. Right. So true. Um, so obviously that is an extreme example, but, you know, becoming pregnant and, and that time in your life can be really exciting, but it can also be, um, you know, not, not daunting, but just kind of, you know, something that you don't really know what to expect, especially at the first time. Um, Prenatal vitamins are important. Um, what do you tell you know your patients initially when they when you first you know when the first visit right like what are the the guidelines now that um, you're Just telling your patients to do? Make sure you're on a on a good prenatal vitamin. Some patients will bring in their bottle and make sure that you know it's the correct thing. I okay. think the main thing is as long as it has more than 400 micrograms of folic acid, um, that's kind of key, and especially up to 12 weeks, that helps prevent um, spina bifida. Um, and basically like stay really hydrated, eat a good balanced diet, you know, for patients that are having, you know, more nausea, vomiting symptoms, a lot of times they're kind of sticking more to carbohydrates because that's really better tolerated. And so we kind of give them a pass on that for the first trimester and hopefully they'll, their symptoms will pass and they'll get like more balanced diet as the pregnancy continues. Um, kind of light um, exercise is okay. Um, you know, at the first visit we, we review things that are safe, unsafe. So if they're on any medications, they need to stop right away or, you using any products that they shouldn't be, you know, we can review things if they have specific questions. Okay. Um, and if they are experiencing any type of nausea, like what are some of the things that like tend to, I know ginger related things they say and like toast or eating in the morning or I don't yeah, know, it's like different totally. for different people, I guess. Um, I think the biggest things I tell people is try not to be fasting at any point in time, like mm -hmm. try to kind of always be grazing a little bit, constantly be drinking, actually like lack of food of water, food and water can make you more nauseous, like not eating and drinking. Okay. So I think people are fearful to eat and drink because they know they're going to be nauseous, but actually by eating continuously, like little bits of food all day is actually better to prevent the nausea. Um, ACOG, um, American College of Obstetrics and Gynecology has like a whole, um, like an algorithm of different medications and you know, depending on symptoms, we can initiate um, certain medications to help if you're having nausea and vomiting. Right. So depending on somebody's symptoms, you know, at the first visit, I always ask, like, how are you feeling? Like, are you experiencing any nausea? How bad is it? Are you eating? Are you drinking? Do you feel like your weight is okay? You know, and then depending on the individual, you know, we can initiate some medication if necessary. Interesting. Um, I also remember in the first trimester with both children just being exhausted like that they say that pregnancy tired is like no other tired and it I, I found it to be so true i just remember being so drained and so exhausted because your body is making another body i get it <laughs> um is that like a common thread for most women or do they not all experience that as well 
I mean, I'm, I'm sure everybody's experience is always different for anything, yeah. even any condition in the world. Like everyone's experience is a little bit different, but fatigue in the first trimester is super normal. Yeah. Um, but, you know, when somebody really expresses extreme fatigue, sometimes we'll also screen, you know, thyroid or anemia to also make sure that there's not other causes, like additional causes for fatigue. Mm-hmm. And then sleep hygiene is also really important, too, to make sure that they are getting proper sleep or if they're having any issues with that. Have you noted, at what week do, can they find out the sex? Um, so it depends, actually. Um, so some women elect to do um, non-invasive prenatal screening or testing. And um, with those tests, they're very advanced. You can get fetal sex information as early as like 10 to 12 weeks. Oh, wow. Um, but, you know, on an ultrasound, it's usually around 18 to 20 weeks that you oh, can is find it? out. I thought it was earlier than that. Okay, that's interesting. Uh, are most women still finding out the sex? I would say majorly, yeah. Most okay. people are really excited. The gender reveal is huge these days. That's true. Everybody's super excited to find out exactly what they're having right away, but not personally to find out and then give that information to somebody else so that they could, you know, eat it into a cupcake and find out or See, pop a like balloon write it down. or have a party. And yeah, oh, that's, that's so like funny. the most exciting thing. That wasn't a thing with either of my kids, but now it's like it's super popular. Um, and yeah. with my daughter, I did not find out which I loved. I thought that's like the the best surprise at the end when you like no idea. Although I did kind of really want a girl. (laughs) We have a lot of patients that do both. Literally, I would say we have tons of patients that are excited to find out right away. And we have a ton of patients who literally want to keep that secret. And it's actually really fun for us because when we deliver the baby, we get to announce what it is. So it's super fun for us. It is fun. Well, I thought it was fun, but I was so like, I remembered that just being like, because I was convinced it was a boy. Not that I was... Like, but I was, you know, I already had a boy, so I kind of wanted a girl. And, right. um, and then I was shocked, like, when they said it was a girl. I was like, oh, my gosh. So I was carrying, like, similarly and all the, the, the I, I guess it's, like, myths that people say of, like, sure. how you carry and, like, what, you know, doing the different things. <laughs> people say, like, oh, that's a boy and that's a girl. But I think I looked very similar to how I had my son. So who knows? Is that is that like true that they say like you carry a certain way? I've heard all of the things. Okay. I don't think any of it actually is real medical science. Right. No, <laughs> not at all. But sometimes it's right. I guess they have a 50-50 shot. So. <laughs> yeah, I think everyone feels a certain way and sometimes they're right and sometimes they're wrong. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so let's talk about nutrition. That's a big um, topic. I know um, when I was pregnant with both of my children, it, um, I don't even know if I was into sushi at the time with my son, so it wasn't a big deal, but like cold cut no sushi, no raw fish, no, um, and there's like a, a larger list, I think, since, you know, over the last 20 years. So what are the, like, what are the big recommendations? Like what to stay away from and why? Yeah. So, I mean, the big thing with sushi and cold cuts is really like just foodborne illness. You're trying to avoid, um, God forbid, a, a foodborne infection in your body while you're pregnant that it could affect the the growing fetus. Um, so with cold cuts, the concern is really like listeria. It's rare, but if it did happen, you could get a condition called listeriosis. So basically the, the, the advice with that is if you're going to eat cold cuts that you can heat the sandwich basically by heating the cold cuts, like having a hot sub, um, that the heat would kill off any potential bacteria on the surface, on the cut surfaces. Um, but I do tell my patients if they get, you know, like the pasteurized pre-packaged containers of cold cuts, then those are fine because mm-hmm. there's not like a cut surface from a slicer where there's bacteria getting on the meat. Oh. So you, if you buy like pre-packaged meat, it's not as good as the fresh sliced stuff, but that, that would be considered safe. Um, and then the concern with like sushi or like, 
you know, rare burgers and stuff like that is the same thing, that there could be bacteria in there that you don't know is in there and you really don't want to come down with an infection when you're pregnant. So kind of thoroughly cooking your food all the way through or oh. avoiding raw foods or undercooked foods. Oh, interesting. So it's the same reason then for cheeses? Like, isn't that that's the thing? Yeah, like so unpasteurized cheeses. So like a lot of soft cheeses, like if you walk up to a farm and get like cheese right out of the cow, it's not a good idea because it could have oh. bacteria in it. But most even soft cheeses that they say to avoid, a lot of them in the grocery store are pasteurized. So as long as you check your label mm -hmm. and it's pasteurized, you can consume it. Interesting. Okay. Obviously, a well-balanced diet is ideal. Um, are there any other, you know, red flags in terms of what to not uh, eat or to eat? <laughs> well, I mean, I think the biggest thing is we tell people, you know, not to consume any alcoholic beverages when they're pregnant because there's no known safe amount of alcohol to consume. So we just tell people to avoid that. Um, with regards to certain fish, um, if people are into seafood, um, there's certain predator fish that um, because they eat other fish in the sea, they're higher in mercury content. Ah. So I know in our practice, we give kind of like a list of certain fishes that you should consume only a certain amount per week okay. if you if you enjoy them. Like for instance, salmon, like right? albacore alba tuna oh. is, um, salmon's actually pretty safe. Oh, albacore tuna, um, like you'd want to have like one can a week if you were like really into tuna. Mm -hmm. um, so anyway, there's like a list. I don't know them all off the top of my head. but Oh, that's so interesting. I wouldn't even have thought of that. Huh? Yeah, so like you just, so that you don't consume too much mercury. Okay. Um, what are the other big things? What about peanut butter? Is that like a... Peanut butter is great. It's totally fine. Okay. I was always like... Great protein. That's, Good idea. Definitely okay. lots of... Yeah. Okay. Peanut butter is great. Um, because of the like allergies or the prevalence of like allergies, if it was like linked to people like eating peanut butter when they're pregnant or if that's just something I heard. <laughs> I've not heard anything about pregnant women eating common allergens and having an effect on the fetus, but I do know there's a lot of literature on the children's side about like early exposure and preventing allergies. Interesting, okay. That's not my area. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then obviously like no, like not a lot of sugar and sodas, stuff like yeah, that. Yeah, just like generally eating healthy. I mean, your body is the vessel for your child. Mm -hmm. So you kind of want to keep your body in the healthiest form that you can. So like right. eating your best, doing your best, um, That's that's really all you can do. So you said light exercise. Um, I know some women that, you know, run marathons while they're pregnant. They, you know, kind of do more like extreme exercises. What do you, how do you feel about that? Totally. So if somebody has already had a certain like activity level from the beginning, mm -hmm. like they were already maintaining a certain level of activity, even high impact um, as long as they're feeling well as the pregnancy continues, they can continue at the level they were already doing because their body is used to it already. Okay. So as long as, and I just tell people, you know, listen, like your blood volume is changing, your heart rate is changing. Um, so your ability to keep at that level may change. So if you feel like you're getting lightheaded or dizzy, you're tired, you know, just take Listen it down, take it down a notch. Right. Exactly. Um, but you definitely don't want to be a couch type a couch potato type of person and become pregnant and then suddenly decide, oh, now is the time to start my high impact exercise <laughs> regimen. Like you're probably not going to tolerate it very well, yeah. but like easing into things and slowly picking up exercise is definitely reasonable. Okay. That makes sense. I was, um, I'm a runner and I did run with my, in my second pregnancy, but it definitely, once I hit like the second trimester, my body was kind of just like, all right, like, you know, like take down a notch a little bit so yeah, just like kind of listen like if your body talks to you just kind of like realize oh okay 
I'm going to listen. I'm going to do something different. Yeah. But you don't have to stop. And it was also kind of uncomfortable to like, I don't know, like as you get bigger, like it wasn't the same. Yeah. <laughs> but um, but I, I took it down to like walking and, you know, still like getting active, which is, yeah. I think, Usually it's okay important. to keep doing everything unless there's some other specific concern, like if a certain um, pregnancy has specific concerns where we don't want you to do as high of an impact, we would let you know. Interesting. Um, so are there certain, so I, um, I know nothing about just gestational diabetes, um, but I know that it can occur in women that aren't diabetic, right? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So are the, some of those factors because of like their diet or it just kind of occurs? Um, well, so there's multiple reasons why somebody could get gestational diabetes, but we can't always predict who's going to have that that condition. So that's why everyone is screened. Like literally everyone in the third trimester is screened because we don't know. But I mean, there are some women who have family history, genetic predisposition. Um, so they may more be more likely, but they still may not get it. It's that, that orange. Stuff? There's different flavors, but okay. there's a glucola drink, which is a specific amount of glucose that's drunk as a challenge yeah. for your body to see. It's basically to see how you respond to glucose loads, like how your body gets rid of that sugar and if it gets rid of it at a proper amount of time. Um, and then that's so there's there's a certain level of um, insulin resistance that mm -hmm. is normal in pregnancy. Like you're supposed to be able to have a little bit of a higher blood sugar so that you can give sugar to your baby. Like it's a normal change in pregnancy that happens to your body but some women's bodies go a little overboard and they become diabetic so uh, we have to screen everybody and that's in the third trimester we screen in the third trimester oh. for some women who are particularly high risk like maybe they've had um diabetes in the past we may screen them earlier as well interesting okay i didn't realize it was that much further into the pregnancy but um i just remember taking the test and not enjoying that <laughs> whatever that glucose test is. <laughs> There's different flavors. <laughs> You've come a long way. <laughs> um, so we talked a little bit about nutrition, about exercise. Um, into the second trimester, if you are experiencing anything that you like, or I guess if you're diagnosed high risk in some capacity um, and are put on bed rest, what are... Um, like, what are the, some of the things that women are experiencing now? I was put on bed rest, but at the time I did not have a full-time job. So it wasn't as life altering for me. Um, but you know, it can be like a really big adjustment, right? If you have small children at home or if you are working. Um, so what are the, some of the things that you tell your patients? Um, go into so that? bed rest actually isn't really a thing anymore. Oh, I, it was, <laughs> it was, it was definitely being used, um, you know, a, a while back and, um, research had shown that there weren't really any difference in outcomes, whether you were in the bed the whole time doing absolutely nothing or kind of doing usual activities. Oh, and wow. actually by laying in bed all the time, you were increased risk for other complications like, like getting a blood stuff. clot yeah. exactly so it's kind of really not advised anymore huh. at all um for certain conditions you know like maybe with the placenta um or like risk for preterm labor certain women are at higher risk of pregnancies like mm -hmm. you said um but really the bigger thing is kind of like maybe doing like light or modified activity um you know maybe not running three miles a day right. if you know if you had a certain condition you might just be on a light walk um or pelvic rest is is another thing that's common or no heavy lifting but oh, we wow. don't do bed rest anymore that's so interesting yeah wow i'm like dating my myself. <laughs> um, that's, oh, I didn't know that. That's so, um, yeah, that's crazy. So actually my mom is um, a nurse and she used to work with high risk um, pregnancies and she used to go to people's homes and um, all kinds of treatment and they were all on bed rest. So it's definitely evolved a lot. 
Yeah. Yeah. Um, and then into the second and third trimester, what are some other, you know, things to, to you know, be mindful of? I actually had a placenta tear, which was like minor at 14 weeks too, which was scary at the time, but it ended up being fine. Um, but what are some other symptoms to, to be mindful of and, you know, when to call the doctor, when to not? Um, so second to third trimester, basically, you might start getting Braxton Hicks contractions, which are very normal. Um, but if you feel like you're having contractions that are more painful or more frequent than what you should be feeling, you would you would tell your doctor. Um, the third trimester is also when um, we recommend getting a Tdap vaccine, and that's for the baby when the baby's born um, to protect against um, pertussis. And they get their own vaccine at three months of age. And... Um, Otherwise, kind of getting ready for, you know, thinking about delivery, thinking about, um, um, you know, what resources you might want to have. So I know like um, HMH has great resources for, you know, free classes, tours in the hospital, stuff like that that's online. Um, So we always give like a paper when we have patients like to let them know about resources that are available to them. Um, Think about packing your bag for the hospital. Yeah. Have your go bag ready in case anything pops up, any symptoms pop up. Um, and then kind of just being mindful of your symptoms, reporting to your doctor how you're feeling. Right. Um, and having, you know, a plan in place. That's right. Um, there are a lot of great classes and resources. I know you can take all kinds of different things to prepare for, for baby. Um, and then, uh, in the third trimester, when you are like nearing your due date, how, how many of your patients like go into labor and they like barely makes it to the hospital is like you see on the movies. Is that it happens. It does it happen. Happens. Is it when they've had multiple children already usually, or like, does it happen for your first baby sometimes? I've seen it in all. I've seen it in really? first babies. Yeah. I think some people are really, you know, like everyone's tolerance of discomfort is different. Uh-huh. I think, um, I, I wish I was more like that when I went into labor, that I had no idea what was happening. That would have been nice. So it's a tolerance of discomfort and that's like why your body re- like just but like pushes the baby out more quickly? No, I think some people have, you know, more extreme discomfort in labor. So some people are more in pain at an earlier stage in labor and some people actually aren't uh, as uncomfortable until they're in later stages of labor. I see. Like they may not even realize that it's labor. That was me. Literally, I woke up and so I was induced with my son. So I didn't really know what to expect with my daughter because there was no induction plan. And it was like, a, I guess, a um, healthier pregnancy. And the I woke up and I had like it was wet but not like in the movie like I didn't know what it was like, like when you see in the movies and it's like this gush of like avalanche of water <laughs> which is not actually what happens so it's like wet and I'm like I don't know maybe my water broke I don't know like what happened it's so weird so I called um no I said I guess I called my doctor and he was like just come in at nine if you're not sure it was like seven in the morning so I went back to sleep <laughs> and I, I went in at night and he's like, no, your water broke. I'm like, oh my God. <laughs> so it was not like the experience that I thought it was right, going to right, be. Right. Um, but I wasn't like, I wasn't having any um, contractions at all. And I didn't feel like that pain until like very, like it was probably, I did have her the same day. So I guess later in the day it did. So, right, right. Um, and then I am a total wuss and do- definitely had a epidural for both. And the second one did not. I don't think that makes you a wuss. I well, feel like that's very typical. I, there's a lot of women in my family who like 
or like went through it and didn't want the epidural. So I was kind of felt like I was like the weakling. But that's, you know, just how I felt. I think it's just a personal choice. And like, again, the same thing. I think tolerance of pain is just very different for people. Yeah. So some people tolerate it well and they can breathe through it. And maybe they've learned some techniques or they have somebody helping them like a labor coach. That's phenomenal. But if you feel like it's too strong for you and you need um, any pain medication or an epidural, like definitely take it that's there is there for you to make your experience better yeah so mine didn't take and i guess that can happen sometimes too with epidurals i guess rarely yeah Yeah. um and i think they tried to make it work or whatever but because of like the timing like it was just not going to work out so i was not prepared for like going through the labor pains and stuff so that was that was probably the one thing from my second pregnancy that was like it's i feel like sometimes too it's like either the labor is like really intense or like the pregnancy was like a lot and you know it's like people don't have (laughs) the whole thing that just they ride through and it's you know glamorous and perfect. (laughs) I think everybody has their ups and downs, but not everyone talks about all their moments. Right, right. That's true. Um, What, so another part of pregnancy is, you know, is after pregnancy, right? Postpartum or the fourth trimester. Um, And there's a lot of you know, it's it's a huge change in your body. Your hormones are kind of all over the place. And obviously you're, you know, not sleeping as much because you're up with the newborn. Um, what are, you know, some things that you talk, tell your patients, you know, to be mindful of, to give self-care and to, to help themselves when they're going through that? Yeah. So, I mean, I think the biggest thing and hot topic would be postpartum depression. And we kind of tell everyone to be, you know, aware of their symptoms, how they're feeling, report to us if they feel like, you know, they're not bonding well with their child or not interacting well with their family members Mm -hmm. or feeling like getting up in the morning, getting dressed, getting out. Um, You know, baby blues can be normal to be a little bit like mildly down or a little bit different or fatigue. Fatigue has a huge impact on mood. And you know that you're going to be a little bit more sleep deprived, like you said, because of the newborn. But to be really like communicating with your provider if you feel that your mood is 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 not reflective of yourself or really impacting who you are or your ability to function as a new mom, I think that's very big and you should speak up soon yeah. about that so that we could determine if it's, you know, if it's normal and adjustment or if it's um, truly concerning and if you need some other resources or medication to help. Yeah. Um, and you mentioned earlier, you know, some women just don't speak up and don't talk about what they what, you know what they're experiencing whether or not it was you know during the pregnancy or afterwards and um i think it's important to like at least have some type of lifeline and someone that you can like really you know it's not you're not like not a good mom because you're not experiencing you know what maybe you thought your friend said that it was going to be great or you know everyone's yeah. experience is different i think it's very normal to hear different things from your family or your friends or know other people who've been through something and your experience turns out differently. Mm -hmm. And I think sometimes that's, you know, either off-putting or confusing to some women. I think it's very important to realize that everyone's experience is really different and realizing also that not everyone's advice or experience is going to be helpful to you. So you can take it in, you could like be aware of that advice, but sometimes you need to either figure it out on your own or, or get different advice for you because your situation might be different. Yeah. Yeah. Um, no, that's so interesting. 
So uh, where can moms find more information and resources within Hackensack? I can actually link everything um, in the conversation now, but um, where can they go to find information about classes and uh, more information about uh, your practice and Freehold? Yeah, so online on Hackensack Meridian, we have um, resources for free classes, for um, resources, information, um, hospital tours. Um, I know like our practice, we give out all that information when we have our patients come so that they're totally, you know, like prepared and know where to get all their information. Oh, that's perfect. Okay. Well, thank you so much. This has been so helpful. I learned a lot. <laughs> there is so much that has changed and that uh, I had no idea. So uh, I hope everyone that's listening, you know, can take a little bit of a, a tidbit of information and, um, and know that, you know, pregnancy is beautiful and amazing and, you know, great, but it can also be, you know, really challenging for you physically and, and mentally. And um, there is support and, and resources out there. And, you know, always look to friends and family to help you through um, a time that can be beautiful and great and all of the messy things too. <laughs> um, coming up this month, uh, we have our local beaches and pools guide. So make sure to check that out on the mammothmoms.com. We also have our outdoor dining guide running currently. Um, our pet care guide just um, launched this week. So if you have a little furry friend at home and uh, want some information about the um, local vets in the area, groomers, uh, doggy daycares, all local um, uh, dog parks too. We have all the dog parks in there. So I have two dogs at home. So definitely good for, for me. And I'm sure there's lots of families out there with furry friends that um, could use some suggestions and resources. So definitely check that out on the site. Um, we also are launching something fun in July. So look for this. We At the top of the month, we're going to be updating you with all of the new restaurants that have opened and playground refreshes and um, and uh, stores that are opening, right? There's always buzz. Is this opening? I heard Trader Joe's is opening. Is this opening? So we're really going to try to do the um, the dirty work and, and investigate what's happening um, more in Monmouth County. So look for that soon. It'll be in our newsletter each month, the beginning of July, um, and hopefully at the, the top of the month every um, every month moving forward to get in the know and find out what's going in Monmouth uh, with the Monmouth Moms in Monmouth County. Thank you, everyone. Have a good day.